This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Have you guys ever said you're going to do something and then immediately regretted it and changed your mind right after? Yes. Yeah, that's happened a lot in your life? Yeah. Just spur of the moment. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'll go here. And then immediately after, you're like, oh, man, I wish I didn't do that. What'd you do, Tom? Oh, I, it's not what I did. Uh, a friend of mine. <laughs> Tyson Alley did. Yeah. <laughs> this is Steelers Standard. That was Jacob Reck, Kellen Gursky. I'm Tom Offerman. Tyson Alley decided... No, thanks, Jacksonville. I'm not coming home to the team that drafted me. I'm coming back to Pittsburgh for less money than what the Jacksonville Jaguars offered him, no less. So something's in the water on the south side, at least, to the point where people are coming back to Pittsburgh for less money than what was apparently offered to them. You know, you can debate whether or not Juju got more money out on the market. I think that's a little bit more up in the air than Tyson Alu-Alu, but he takes a pay cut to come back to Pittsburgh to play for the team that he thinks this is his home, I guess. I've seen reports that he built his dream home in Pittsburgh. Tom Pelissero, I think, reported that from NFL Network whenever he broke the news that Alu Alu was turning down the Jags deal and coming back to Pittsburgh. So Alu Alu obviously envisioned himself here for a while, and he, he comes back. Yeah, what a it, shocking move. It is shocking. Um, I was with a couple friends when I saw the news, and everyone was kind of like, oh, well, I mean, that's that's kind of big, right? I mean, we talked about the Steelers um, you know, losing five starters and – Obviously, that's not very good. And then they had, you know, um, not exactly an ideal backup situation with Chris Wormley and uh, and Bugs and uh, and the guy we always forget. Goodness gracious, help me here. Um, the other defensive tackle, Bugs Davis. Davis. Yeah, yeah that's Davis. the one that yeah, I always forget. It's the one um, all three of us always forget. But anyway, I not mean, the, me ever. Oh, never. <laughs> the backup situation, obviously, not good. But but bringing Alu Alu back is huge. Um, but let's be honest here. It's not like a solve all. It's not, it's not something that makes this defense instantly better than, you know, um, still, you know, there's still a lot of question marks when you look at this defense, does this move help? Does Tyson Alualu having a, a, a change of heart? Um, does that definitely help the defense? Absolutely. Um, but it doesn't solve everything. It's a nice step in the right direction. And that's one less, um, position that you have to worry about it's one less hole you have to fill it's one you know it's it's something you don't have to worry about as much um, which is a good thing but let's you know let, let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit everybody it is a big deal and it's good for the Steelers but it isn't a solve all this defense still like I said has a ton of question marks but it's definitely a, a nice little band-aid that can be applied because we were almost in a free fall with this defense and this kind of burden the fall or, or or soften the blow a little bit to that fall that they were in and it was hugely unexpected to get him back and it's it's a nice breath of fresh air considering the direction the defense seemed to be going in took a little reverse course with Tyson coming back and who knows maybe I'm not saying that Mike Hilton's gonna follow suit I mean he's already got his deal done too but I'm not, I'm not saying you know Bud Bud Dupree's gonna come back too but it's just a move in the night in the right direction when it seemed that everything that could have gone wrong for this defense was going wrong. I don't know. I think you guys are kind of under uh, underselling it a little bit. I think this is a big, pretty big no, deal. It, for the I think it's I absolutely said it's a big deal. I know, but I mean, still, I think you know, defensive tackle and the defensive line all of a sudden became a huge need as well. Yeah, as other parts in the defense that weren't needs heading into the twenty twenty one off season and. You know, Tyson Alualu coming back is so big, not only for just having a good defensive tackle there, but 
if Cam Hayward or Steph Tewitt are to go down, which track record would tell you that one of those two are going to go down for at least one or two games this coming season, Alu Alu is able to kick out to that position and play it to a very high level in a fill-in kind of role. And then you do have to call upon your depth at defensive tackle. But, you know, when Chris Wormley is only going to have to step in for one or two games as a starter because Alu Alu has to kick outside to help because of an injury to Tewitt or or Hayward, you know, that's a big deal for the Steelers. There's there's now at least depth at one of these positions on defense where there isn't depth in the middle linebacking core and there isn't depth or in the linebacking core in general, and there isn't depth in the secondary right now. So it is just nice to have that kind of yeah. happen and a little security get a, get a win. It's the yeah. first real win of the Steelers yep. offseason in my mind. And, hey, they signed Juju, so a lot of people will tell you that that was a big win, but – in our eyes, I don't think it is. No, no, it's it isn't. But yeah, I mean, like I, I don't want to diminish or have anyone think that I don't think it's a big deal for the Steelers to have Tyson Alu Alu back because it is. Um, I'm just saying that it doesn't solve every problem on the defense. It's big because no, as you said, not. as you said, Tom, like you don't have to have Wormley, you don't have to have Bugs, and you don't have to play Davis. Play, you know, a, a um, an increased load of a snap count. You don't have to do that. Um, you know, one of them, it's probably going to be Wormley. If Wormley's your backup and he's the next guy in line to Alu-Alu, I'm not all that opposed to that. I, I, that's much better than the situation that, you know, Wormley the starter and then it's either Bugs or Davis is, you know, the backup and he's going to, whoever it is, is going to get spit. And that's not the situation anymore, though. Um, and getting and getting Alu-Alu's back is big. It's another guy that, you know, played on this defense last year. It keeps that defensive line together that's one thing that we talked about you know this defense especially the defensive line was one injury away you know you lose cam knock on wood or you lose to it you know god forbid um you know now at least if you lose one of those guys you still have all the wall is just mm-hmm. one piece that's out of that defensive line um it's you know an injury could still kill that defensive line right. don't get me wrong but at least you have, like you said, Jacob, you have kind of that security blanket. You have That's one less position that you have to worry about. Yeah, and, and moving forward with that, I mean, it's no longer a position of need in the draft. And that's a huge relief because we were talking about how the draft strategy from day one of the offseason, with keeping in mind, even though Marquise Pouncey hadn't announced his retirement yet, it was basically laid out. Uh, it was written on the walls. The draft strategy was pretty clear. It was address the starters on offense and use some later picks to address depth on defense. And with losing at the time before Tyson decided to come back, losing five of your 11 starters was a big deal. Now with Tyson coming back, you've only lost four guys that are starters and really only three pure starters and one nickel guy. So now your draft strategy doesn't have to be as different as the original plan was defensive tackle you have depth there now because you have all three of your starters returning and you signed depth uh when you thought you lost Tyson Alualu so now you can address the depth areas more so at inside linebacker and outside linebacker and cornerback which is another huge relief for this defense yeah and honestly you know if you're in uh Isaiah Bugs or uh, what's that guy's name again oh that's right it's Carlos Davis if you're one of those two guys, you're, you're kind of you're, you're kind of upset, yeah. You're fighting for a job, I think, at training camp. Definitely, I, I think you could be on the chopping block because there's now other position groups that are going to need just more bodies in the preseason mm-hmm. and maybe potentially into the regular season than that defensive front. So to make room for maybe an extra defensive back on the roster somewhere or maybe an extra outside linebacker somewhere, you're going to have to maybe 
sacrificed one of your defensive tackles because you're technically carrying four on the right. roster. Right, you're not going to carry that's, four. That's a lot to be right. carrying on the roster. You know, Alu Alu and Wormley are safe. Yep. Obviously, to it and, and Hayward. Yeah, are, are they don't play more tackle, than though. safe. Yeah, but I'm just sure. saying, as far as the defensive line is concerned, so those are your four guys that are absolutely going to be safe. You're going to probably keep maybe somebody on the outside too. So four defensive tackles. Yep. You're fighting. I, I think maybe they keep one of those guys and they roll with three defensive tackles on the roster. But I think it's Davis or Bugs. It's time to you know play for your job now, heading into training camp. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those guys that are, are probably going to go. Um, you can't justify having four defensive tackles on your, you know, your, what your 58-man roster. You just can't, um, you know, and it, it, come training camp time, it is going to be a competition for that third guy, and it might come down to who plays specials more. I know that a defensive tackle normally doesn't play specials, but maybe it's a field goal block or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. Um, that might be the deciding factor because, as we mentioned, um, whoever, you know, is that third defensive tackle, they're probably not going to get a lot of playing time unless – there's an injury or something like that, and then this is a different conversation. But there's two guys ahead of them, so one of them is going to have to prove something, uh, or else you know they're either you know a going to be cut or on on the practice squad, and it's not a place that either one of them wants to be. But it's a place the Steelers want to be because, as we keep saying, it, it's a position that you know you get a starter back at, and at the same time, you, you know Tyson Alualu is probably going to end his career here in Pittsburgh. He's getting older too. You're going to have him yeah, for like the next 35 years old, by right? The time uh, he I mean, it, what, what was it a two-year deal? Two-year deal, two-year deal yeah. So he'll be what 35. I mean, it, that might be the end for him there. But at least you have that for the next two years. Like you know who your starting defensive tackle is, well, at least this year. Maybe you draft somebody, maybe someone you know beats him out when he's getting older, but at least you have him, and at least you have that defensive tackle position pretty much mapped out at this point. And, and that's a plus, being that we're in March. We're at the end of March here, and what we thought was a, a weakness is defensive tackle. I don't know if it's all of a sudden a strength, but it's definitely not a weakness anymore. Definitely not, and I think, too, it's good for even though those guys, Carlos Davis and Isaiah Beggs, aren't going to be too happy to be playing for a position, it really enforces the fact that, you know, they could have gone into this season with a totally different mentality. They could have been like, I'm totally safe. What do I have to fight for? What do I have to prove if they need me? If they if they know I'm needed, or if I know I'm needed, you know, what do I have to prove? I don't have to give any extra effort now. So maybe this is the, the spark that these guys need. And I'm not saying they're, you know, lightning in a bottle waiting to be released or waiting to explode, but at least it's something to push them a little further now that with Tyson coming back, they're, they're not just going to be these guys who were bench players essentially with Tyson here. And with Tyson gone, they, they had a roster spot, roster spot locked up for them. This is good, I think, for the team as a whole to kind of give that position just a little more extra push. And if, unfortunately, one of those guys, one of the starter does goes down, those guys could be a little bit extra prepared considering the extra effort they could possibly give in camp. Well, Alawala was definitely the big news over the weekend, but it wasn't the only signing that the Steelers have done Mm -hmm. uh, up to today, even as we sit here and record this episode of Steelers Standard. Uh, they re-signed their punter, Jordan Berry, to a one-year deal. And it's just so funny the route that Jordan Berry has gone in the past yeah. year where you know, he doesn't make the team last year. Dustin Colquitt comes in. They go outside, get a veteran to come in, guy who's played for the Chiefs for a long time in Colquitt and played well there. Uh, he does not do anything well when he comes in here. He absolutely bleeps the, not, the yeah, bed. Not yeah, not even 
just, well, just bad. Just it reminds me of the kicker, and I'm blanking. I'm now blanking on the name. They go out and they get. Uh, he was from Jacksonville. Oh, oh, you're talking. Scobie. You're talking about Scobie. the kicker, not yeah. even the punter. But I'm saying yeah. that's what oh, Cole yeah. Quick reminded me of. You know, you go out and you get a guy like when they got Scobie. Oh, this guy's been kicking for Jacksonville forever, and he's been so good that I know who this guy is, and he's the Jaguars kicker. He comes into Pittsburgh and he's terrible. Same thing with Colquitt. Oh, we get Colquitt. Yeah. yeah, I know Colquitt. He's been punting for the Chiefs forever. He's got a great track record. But except for the fact that Scobie, I think, single handedly lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, he two did. games exactly. that year. That's what I'm saying. It's just terrible signings from outside uh, that. Just reminded me of it, but Jordan Barry comes back now this year after coming mm. back midseason last year to replace Cole Quit and doing okay. Just very middle of the right. road as far as the Steelers, as far as punt averages and distances and touchbacks and and punts inside the twenty yard line. So Jordan Barry is just a very average punter, and you know I don't think you're going to find the next Pat McAfee out there on the market or in this draft class. So as far as you're sitting right now. Just keep it average and hope that he can get a little bit better with yeah. a little bit more confidence. Yeah, there's not really much else to say about, you know, the punter. I mean, obviously when it's bad, people really talk about it, but no one really talks about it when it's good. But at the same time, he's neither of those so, things. He's it's just so average. great when it's good. When oh, they can it's just awesome. Boom one. And if you're stalling at their your own twenty or your twenty five and, and he can flip it to where they're at their own twenty or their yeah, twenty five. I mean, essentially it's so different. If if they're backed up even in like their own red zone you know you're essentially giving the ball right back to you if you have a staunch enough defense yeah, and your defense is so good yeah so it just combining it with a great punter would be so great it would but i mean as you said i mean they're gonna find it right you're not gonna find one now so you might as well bring barry back who um i thought was was better than you know his last season what uh, was the two seasons ago he was really bad was he Barry? He was finally got moved on. From he was him. definitely yeah. a step above that, and if he can at least be that or better, well, you're not going to find much better than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, no question. And then the signings that made official today was offensive lineman Rashad Coward, terrible name to have <laughs> if you're a football player, in my opinion, and running back Callan Ballage. Am I Balage? saying that right? Kalen Ballage? Oh, I like the way that he pronounces that. Kalen Ballage both signed one-year contracts. I came in here before we started and was really not even thinking anything about these signings, but Kellen said he has a stat on Kalen, and he wanted to talk a little Balage, so the floor is yours. Well, um, I'm not saying that this is a, a, a you know a great signing or this is something that this sounds is, like you think he's going to start. No, 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 no. I want to no, hear no, this right. number, Tom. Okay. Let me, Here's let me hear the this. thing: is it a number. It is a number, oh. um, and this I think is part of the reason the Steelers have brought Kalen Balage in. Um, in his in last season, um, Kalen Blosh, he wasn't an every down back, but um, he was kind of the third down back, the short yardage back. He was 10 of 14, so that's 71.4% on third or fourth downs and like less than two. So third and fourth downs of one and two. He, he had converted on 71% of them. Um, just for it's about seventy percent higher than the Steelers. Well, the Steelers year. were twenty of thirty-six, so they're fifty-five point six percent. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Balaj is some world beater or that he's going to be, you know, uh, the Steelers starter or that the running back position has been figured out because it hasn't. But I think he's brought in, and, and this is the need. This is the the, the idea that they have for him—a a short yardage guy. I mean, you really look at him in, in his NFL. Um, career, he's only had eight starts, has 201 carries for 629 yards and seven touchdowns. So he's not a world beater, but it's you know he only averages 3.1 a carry, and with numbers like that, um, you know 71.4 percent on third down and fourth downs of you know less than two. 
That might be your short yardage guy. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said. Uh, again, he didn't have the best track record no. uh, in Miami. Played for two teams in, in 2020, uh, the Jets for three games. I didn't even know that he played for the Jets. Neither did I. And the Chargers for eight games. He started two games for the Chargers when they were having injury yeah, problems they were beat last up. year. Um, it's a young guy, though. And, yeah, Kellen, like, he's six foot two and he's 231 pounds. So Short yard the running back room just got a little bit more crowded for, again, guys that are down on the depth chart like yeah. Jalen Samuels. Sure. He's, he's as good as Kellen, And Anthony man. McFarland. Um, Was it Steelers Nation that said yeah. Jalen Samuels is – Prime to get there's an article on like one of the Steelers like oh, nation tights or, or sites or something. Kellen had a laugh. Share with the class. It was just about how that that uh, Samuels could get possibly get more carries and, and more time under this new offense. And I like laughed out. I was like, dude, Jalen Samuels is barely an NFL player. Like well, I'm think, surprised he made the team last year. Yeah, I think McFarland's pretty much usurped his role. Anyway. Yes, absolutely. So McFarland's passed him, For and now sure. you bring in this Balage guy. So. Who's only twenty five years old? So you hope to get a running push. back early too. I mean, um, that would put Salem's as what RB five at that point, which is just not going to happen. You're not going to have <laughs> right. any RBs on the roster. So, I think it's interesting though that they go out and they get this guy who's the prototypical short yardage back, trying to get those third and short, fourth and short downs with a maybe just bringing in a battering ram kind of player. James Conner is still available on the open market. Of course, he'd be a little bit more expensive than Kalen Ballage, but the fact that he hasn't signed anywhere, I have to say you'd be able to get him at a discount. Yeah. I think it just speaks to what the Steelers view him as as far as could you come back and even be just that short yardage, third and one kind of guy where you know that was kind of the prototypical style of your running when you were in college and, and coming out initially into the pros. You were a bully but you know, and you see flashes of that too. You saw flashes of that in 2020, where he went on some great runs and just bullied defensive players. But he just can't stay healthy, and he doesn't do it consistently enough to be trusted at the price that he would cost. So instead, they take a flyer on, like I've been saying on a lot of these episodes, those Target and Walmart, you know, bargain <laughs> dumpster bin uh, DVD selections that are like a dollar, two dollars each. They go with that with Kalen Ballage instead of. You know, bringing back James Conner, just like they brought back his draft buddy, Juju Smith-Schuster. So I think that's just a little interesting that he's, A, still on the market. I think that's a little interesting as far as he's concerned. And, B, that they've clearly sent the message that they will be moving on from him. And I think that it also sends the message that they'll be drafting a running back in the first two rounds who will be the starter in 2021. Yeah, I, so. I, I don't yeah, think I hope that, so, Tom. Well, I don't think – right now we break it down. It's either Benny Snell – Kalen Ballage or Anthony McFarland. So I think all signs point to first or second round pick will be heading into St. Vincent's number one on that depth chart. And you just hope and pray that he doesn't lose that starting job. Right. I think that's, you know, kind of written on the wall now. You know, you get a bargain guy like Ballage. You know, you can get rid of, you know, another couple guys that, you know, the guys at the bottom of the depth chart in the running back room. Um, you know, I think that's where they're going to go. I think they have to do that now. Um, because signing Balazs kind of almost means to me that they're not going to bring Connor back. Um, and, and I think, again, that, 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 you know, when you look at this team, what do they desperately need? And that's something that you that all three of us have really beat the drum right. for the Steelers. And they need an explosive running back. They need, um, you know, a true blue number one. And they have three opportunities to get one of those guys in the first, first or second round. Uh, and for me, preferably the first. But I do agree with you, Tom, that, I think that this is where they're going. I think this is a, a change for the Steelers realizing that, hey, we have to get the running back. We have to get the running game, period, better. 
Um, and how do we do that? Well, maybe let's overhaul the running back room. Let's get some new guys in here. Let's get some fresh bodies in here because what we've been doing for the past three or four years hasn't worked. Ain't it? So yeah. let's switch it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's broke, so it's time to fix it. <laughs> Definitely broke. But, again, guys, I, I, I keep referring back to last year's draft and everyone's saying, well, the running back room wasn't any better than it was this time a year ago, and they still, still went with Chase Claypool when they had – Juju and Deontay Johnson and James Washington at the time, and they still went with Chase Claypool, even with J.K. Dobbins still on the board, the guy that people were saying that was bet the best fit for the Steelers. So I think the running back room is worse now than it was last year, just because it's been another year. I mean, there's and no James Conner now too. So. Well, I meant Stop. assuming Conner's there. Well, but. I mean, still, I'm saying like he said, you know, same running back room as last year as far as talent level is concerned. I mean, James Conner would bring it up a little bit. A little bit, but, but, but I mean, still, sitting here last this time a year ago, we were concerned about the running back room, even with Conner there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the vote of confidence was given to Conner, and they go through the season not drafting a running back because they did take Anthony McFarland eventually. But, right, sure. But in the sixth but round, not seventh someone round, that yeah. was going to threaten James Conner's status as number one or even Benny Snell's as number two. And and Conner had what a good first four games of the year, and that was about it. With Benny Snell sprinkling a good game in yeah. there yeah. as well, but yeah, other than that, he fell off the table. And so I don't, want, I just don't want to sound too confident. Oh, they'll take a running back in the first. They have rounds. to. Yeah, I mean, there's just no chance they would go into the season with Benny Snell yeah. unless. Unless they take they unless they find themselves in the draft room and they take a couple other players and they find out okay we didn't end up taking the running back let's go out and sign James Conner to be the starting running back again but I don't Ugh. think that the starting I don't think put it this way I don't think the starting running back is on the roster right now no I don't either I mean that could go either way though like you just said that could be Conner or the draft pick and and I hope to God that it is the draft pick because. You know, like like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the old adage. But it's been broke for four years now, and I know that you can blame the offensive line for that because they haven't been good, uh, you know, this year and a little bit last year too. Um, so, you know, but I do think that, that getting a guy, um, you know, a young true blue number one is the answer, um, you know, and you can kind of work the offensive line around him. But I do think that, you know, James Conner, like I keep saying, you know, he's barely a top 20 back in this league anymore. I know that he's shown flashes, but you can't continue to pay a guy who continues to get hurt and continues, you know, to miss games. And mm -hmm. I know that's not his fault. Uh, you know, there's nothing you can do to prevent it. But at the same time, it's time to bring somebody else in. And again, and I know that Connor has a great story, but it is time. It was a great story. And that's why, not, not the only reason why, but it definitely helped bring James Connor to Pittsburgh initially. But, you know, not, not all fairy tales have a happy ending. So, I mean, maybe he get, maybe he does get the chance to come back on a on a very cheap deal for the Steelers, and he can stay here in Pittsburgh and help the team win a Super Bowl if if that's the the end goal for this team as a whole. But it's not gonna be if he does come back. It's not gonna be in that starting role and that bell cow role that Tomlin prefers to have in a running back. What about the coward? Any thoughts on him coming in from Chicago playing guard? Uh, I think it was a defensive tackle, actually, when he first got into the league. Really? I think so. That's what Pro Football Reference is saying. Hmm. He is a D tackle, but played uh, left guard last year for the Bears. Played 16 games, started in five games for them. So he played in the NFL on an NFL playoff team in 2020 for the Bears, but hmm. just another low cheap signing that sure. stacks depth at a position that it's always great to have depth and bodies in especially heading into camp i mean yeah is that really the only thing to it i don't think you'll see this guy play this year unless you're in no. deep, deep trouble because you know as far as guards are concerned on that line 
they're at least a little bit of a strength, assuming DeCastro can bounce back and Dotson's your your brightest future so far on that line. Or oh, right. as it stands right now. Yeah, so I mean, far. I think this is more of a depth pick or a depth signing, I should say. Um, you know, but he does have some work at tackle, too. Um, I don't know if that's something that the Steelers are thinking about. Um, you know, it's always good to have, you know, offensive linemen that can play multiple positions. And if you can play guard and tackle, that's obviously a plus. Um, I think that's kind of the thinking, you know, as you said, um, you know, he's played in 30, only 30 career games. He did start 15 of them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just think this is a depth signing and, you know, you, you'll see what you can get. That's kind of like we keep talking about the, the kind of, um, you know, not dumpster diving, but, you know, bargain bin shopping, I guess is a nicer way to put it. Um, I think that's what this is. And and if he ends up making the team, I think that's a plus. If he ends up, you know, playing a little bit, that's an even bigger plus. Right. And I think, too, this is the best you're going to get if you're the Steelers in free agency, right? You're going to get guys like Coward, and you're going to get guys like Balazs that aren't people or aren't free agents that so many teams are crowding rooms for or, or trying to get a meeting with these players. I mean, this is the best you're going to get. The real help that you're going to get as the Steelers is going to come in the draft. So the best you can do is get guys like Coward or get guys like Jordan Barry as a returner or get or guys Hague. like Balage. Sorry? Or Hag. Or Hag, right? Exactly. They yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Just get guys that can fill in these positions that you know you're the, they're not going to be your number one starters except for Barry being the exception. They're they're just going to be there in case you need them. And I think it's there. there is no harm, no foul in this signing. By the way, he was a defensive end during his rookie year in Chicago, but Matt Nagy, after his rookie year, uh, moved him to the offensive line where he's played since 2018. Now he is a Pittsburgh Steeler and could be a bit of a project and could have some upside. He is only 26 years old after all. But that's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. You can listen to all of our episodes at Steelers.com. You can hear us on Steelers Nation Radio or download and subscribe to them at Apple or Spotify. But on the next episode, the NFL had some big news break, or shouldn't say break because it's been speculated for a while, but it was made official that there will be an extra game to the season. We'll talk about the Steelers' new opponent that popped up on the 2021 schedule, and we'll talk about that impact around the rest of the NFL as they will play 17 games for the first time in league history uh, in 2021. That's on the next episode. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, for listening.